0: DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts.
1: Welcome in November 1st here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I'm joined, as always, by Matthew Icarus Betts. Yes, he's that hot, people. Floating close to the sun.
0: Dude, we, this is unreal. This, it is unreal what has happened in the year 2022. Daily Fantasy Sports, player props, all the things. Um, I say it every week, man. I I know it is coming. I know the downfall is going to come sooner rather than later. Probably this week, probably next week. It happens every year. And so you're my good friend, Kyle. You know know me well. Like, should I be ahead of this and just pull back my entries this week to get ahead of the, the crush I'm going to take soon.
1: I, I think there's some point where you just need to protect yourself. It's definitely not to go over your bankroll. No, I think that's the no, temptation no, no, no. for people. I was looking forward to one, getting back on this podcast with you after reading out uh, part of this past week, mostly just to come back and say, you needed me. Like you needed me, you know, you were going to fail. It's like, where were you, Kyle? Like you're the light of my life. And then, you you crushed it. You and Jason crushed it. You guys had a Kamara bet that I know a lot of people were pretty excited about. But, dude, like, do you even need me? Should I just log out right now?
0: Yeah, this is a solo pod for the rest of the year, so um, you're done.
1: Well, I'm just a puppet here just to kind of go through the motions and tell people, here's what you can do, and here's where you can sign up and listen to bets.
0: Dude, uh, this would have been a slate for you, though, because... Jason and I talked about this and we were like you know there's two options you play hurts or like you just completely punt it with Sam Ellinger Ellinger and you live for a punt quarterback play and it does not get any more punt than Sam E in his first start at four thousand dollars on DraftKings
1: okay so I love a good punt I love 4k I think I probably would have poked holes in some of the rushing upside that we saw in college and that people wanted to look at let's just go straight into that cash theory uh, and cash cash picks, because man, I from an outsider's perspective, I listen to the show. I got to you know just see what everyone's doing, but I really got to kind of see how last week was a divergent place of we always want to pay up for quarterback, but this is a rare instance where we get a quarterback super cheap. So let's talk about the cash picks. Straight cash, homie. In the business, we call that a transition, and I just. I needed to hit the drop for, you know, I mean, post pro. I didn't even have to do that, but I, I did it anyways. Uh, talk to me about this past week and your process, kind of where the field went. So just spoiler alert for people. I took this entire week off of DFS. We had some family stuff uh, that I had to fly back to Atlanta for. And so I didn't play any props because they're not legal there. And I actually just said, you know what? I'm going to remove myself. I had to be available for uh, my family. So I didn't actually get to play DFS this week at all. Like at all, I just said, I'm going to zero out. I'm not going to try to fit it in. So this is your stage, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. people you come in and be like, Kyle, what'd you do this week? Nothing. <laughs> not a thing. Um, every now and then, that's actually kind of nice. to just like take a week and then you come back and be like, okay, now I'm back in this. I can focus. But yeah, for me this week, it was, um, like I said, a tale of kind of two paths you could go you could go up for hertz and then or go down up to sam ellen goodger ellen goodger and there was really only kind of those two paths for me that's where i was going jason and i talked we said hertz is definitely the better play as far as you know in a vacuum clearly better ceiling but then like as the weekend went on you know you just look at what was available to you if you went down to sam e and it wasn't like sam e was going to give us anything that we really cared about like if he gave you 12 points you would be absolutely thrilled i think he had like eight and a half or something On DraftKings, but it was what he allowed you to do with your roster that made him, in my opinion, the better cash play this week. He was in our Best Plays article as the top play for cash games, and it's because you could fit Tyree Kill in an absolute dream matchup against the Lions. You could fit Amon Ross St. Brown. You could fit Ken Walker. You could fit Derrick Henry. I mean, any of these guys, and there were so many good running backs, Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs, in absolute dream, dream matchups. So that's really what it came down to, to me. Um, it was tough for cash again because it kind of felt like a lot of people were on that and then therefore spending up for the same plays and it was like if you spin up for you know Jacobs instead of Kamara you lost or if you spin up for Jacobs instead of Derrick Henry you lost so it was kind of one of those like 2v2 weeks again Um, it kind of seems to be the theme this year I'm not sure why that is but definitely seems to be that on these smaller slates if you make one incorrect decision you really do get buried.
1: That's what it kind of comes down to is are you on the wrong side of that for 50-50s? You know, did you – I saw a lot of people that played Jacobs because Jacobs was on a hot hot streak instead of Kamara. So um, it really does come down to a couple different plays each week. We try to give our best plays in the DFS pass. We try to talk to those on this show, on Friday's show. uh, And then I think the place where we see those kind of bear fruit most is in our Discord channel. Where people are back and forth, and we have a question that I thought would be a good uh, thing for us to kind of kick off the show before we go into the week. Week nine is that where we're at? How,
0: I don't understand how it's November. What is happening?
1: Uh, week nine is what we will talk about. I had to like get my week straight since I missed a whole week. Um, but this one's from S. Retcher on Discord. Can you guys talk about if the chalk going off is an actionable? trend for the season. For what I've seen, total ownership for the Millie Maker this year is about 30% higher compared to last. Wondering if we should start adjusting our GPP approach. And I will say, myself, I'm more of a contrarian GPP player. I haven't done as well in big tournaments this year because I like using the leverage, but we haven't needed that as much when we've seen the chalk pieces go off.
0: Yeah, it's been a wild year. You know, We do get these weeks every year. But there's maybe like three four five of them where the chalk just goes crazy and if you are a contrarian player you kind of just take your l's and you move on to the next week and i feel like people are feeling this more than usual because all those weeks are happening in such a small sample we've only been through eight weeks of the season and there's already been i don't know would you say four weeks like that maybe five where it's just like if you're a contrarian player you lose but it's a small sample and i think that a lot of the principles that have shown over the course of years are going to come back to averages you know the law of averages everything returns to kind of the mean that the chalk is not going to keep smashing in this fashion i don't think moving forward so uh, eventually it's going to come back the pendulum's going to swing and so i think now you know sooner than rather than later especially on these small slates that are going to be coming up like 10 gamers 11 gamers now might be the time to start to get off the board a little more because i would be shocked if this trend continued for an entire season
1: yeah and i would say the actual thing for me is to remind myself of which contests am I playing in for GPPs. If you're doing a three max or a 20 max, you do not generally have to get as off the board as everyone else because the field is usually smaller and people can't max center it with 150 lineups and they're hitting, hitting the nuts. So I would say in those three max or in those single entries, you can play chalkier lineups and just adjust what, like two, maybe three pieces and you'll be fine. I will be playing contrarian if I'm playing in large field tournaments, because if the field's going to respond this way and say, well, look at the chalk of your plays, then I'm going the other way. We're playing for one week in GPPs. Like you needed to go into this, knowing that you're going to have massive losses when you play in tournaments. Like you're playing against these other people that have perfect lineups. So, uh, that's just how I play in general. If I'm in those three max or 20 max, my lineups are going to look a little bit more chalky, but, uh, that's probably my only thing you.
0: Yeah, same thing. I mean, we talked about it at the start, we, we say this every August, just so people that are newer to DFS understand this is not a printing press. You are not going to win every week. If you know you're going to lose and you're still a really good GPP player, as far as uh, stacks, finding the right game environments, all those things, you could have awesome lineups on paper and it just doesn't work out three, four, five, six weeks in a row. But then all of a sudden in the seventh week. You win a GPP and like your entire season is made, you know, so that's what, that's what you play for those top end outcomes. It's tough for a lot of people from a mental health perspective, from a, you know, bankroll management perspective to have those losing weeks, but it happens every year. The chalk will fail. And if you start to adjust your approach too much now because of what's happened in a small sample, I think it's probably a wrong move.
1: Because Bets and I would say our bread and butter is cash and it's been butter, dude, straight butter for you this year. Straight dinner uh, butter. Oh, dude. The best kind of butter, they say. Elite. Then, then you can build your bankroll through cash, but also realize what type of contests are you playing in for tournaments. Is it one of those things where you're playing, you know, 60% of your bankroll in double ups in cash and you're doing all right, but you're spending the other 40, 40% as just losses every single week. Maybe you need to lean a little bit more into cash, become a 70-30 type player, whatever you need to build your bankroll. If you want to get our picks, you can get them in the DFS pass, while I was gone, I heard rumors that there's more and more that we're going to continue to add to the DFS pass, that you and I are just going to be giving this thing away for free. If you go to DFSpass.com right now and use the promo code DFSpod, you can get all of our picks, DraftKings, FanDuel, roster percentage report, and save 10%. And then what's this business about adding more people to our Discord bets? Why are we
0: doing this? Uh, because it's the best place to be, and it's the best community. Ever obviously the Foot Clan the loyal Foot Clan yeah the, the Discord previously um, was actually just for the Patreon community the join the supporters but now if you already have the DFS pass or if you're thinking about getting it those people that just get the pass you don't have to necessarily be a Foot Clan member I mean you probably should be if you want to be cool but if you buy the DFS pass you're in the Discord automatically so you have to go through and just kind of make sure that you, when you do it on the site you click the right buttons to get in but you get access you know for free it's just another addition um it, it's wild man the, the value is just crazy uh we didn't even mention the props dude we're like 14 and 5 over the last two weeks the dfs pass is too cheap <laughs> i don't know how to say it
1: <laughs> i saw this in discord from prison nick 9 370 he said i bought the pass this morning first time playing cash lineups and i already doubled my money so I'm not saying this is the case us. for for every single person but it is a good case where you can do that so go to dfspass.com We would love to see you there. Let's talk about week nine.
0: State of the main slate.
1: Each week, we refer to the DraftKings Sportsbook line. It's where Betts and I play. You can go to sportsbook.draftkings.com if you want to join in. And we're going to check in on a couple that have gone up and a couple that have gone down. I will say that my Falcons, uh, my Falcons under is not looking too good, but Holy, we got a little, uh, little breaking news on this pod. Breaking news. Go for it.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of breaking news happening. We're recording this literally during like the final hour of the trade deadline. So things could get wild here. The 49ers are trading Jeff Wilson to the dolphins. This comes right after chase Edmonds was sent to Denver as part of the move for Bradley Chubb. Um, that's exciting i mean jeff wilson was buried behind cmc at least if you have him you're like okay that gives me a little bit of hope that he might get some usage and then this one speaking of the falcons they're trading calvin ridley who i haven't said his name in seven months eight months <laughs> to the jaguars that's wild man what are your thoughts on that i mean he obviously can't play this year but for next year
1: yeah it's a bit of a stomach punch of of calvin Ridley, just because we had some great moments the falcons um I will say what the management of the Falcons has done, speaking as a fan, is when it's time to go, it's time to go. They did that with Matt Ryan. They did that with Julio, two of my favorite players in fan- franchise history. So if you're moving on, I need to get details of the actual trade. Um, and, you know, our show is DFS, but it is exciting because I started tracking trades over the last uh, 12, 13 years. And we're just getting more and more trades in the NFL, which is fun. I mean, it's probably just correlating with fantasy football, right? Just the GMs are used to trading in their fantasy leagues and they're like why don't i just do the real thing.
0: Yeah, super fun. Chase Claypool is now a bear. We had um what was the other big trade this morning? The, the one that started it off.
1: Uh, TJ Hawkinson?
0: Yeah, Hawkinson right to the Vikings. This is wild, man. This is fun. I hope we get and, another one on the show.
1: Yeah, and reacting live just kind of says what? <laughs> Andy just put in her Slack $5 whoever reports the first next trade. Uh, (laughs) I'm
0: pulling up Twitter right now
1: (laughs) I will not be on this podcast anymore All right, uh, let's go back to our quick wagers and maybe we'll get interrupted again and we'll give you our live reactions yeah Falcons under does not look good for our season long totals right now and I think that's okay it's fine Uh, I'm caught in between as a fan and as somebody that looks at the team and go okay are we going the right direction are we just going to end up at 7 and you know 10 that's where it feels (sighs) like it's going
0: it's so wild i was writing up for um the chargers and atlanta game in the vegas report in the dfs pass and i wanted to go in and be like you know just like they want to run they're slow like maybe we should fade this game and all these things and then i was looking at the metrics i was like wait the falcons are sixth in scoring they're (laughs) one of the best teams in the nfl against the spread like this matchup for them is awesome. They want to run the ball. The Chargers want you to run the ball. And they're being quarterback by Marcus Mariota. It, I don't understand how it's happening, but that is not going to be a winning ticket. They are currently plus 130 to make the playoffs. And if the playoffs started today, they'd be hosting a playoff game. This is what's happening <laughs> right now in the NFL, which is absolutely crazy.
1: Yeah, we need to be talking about them as the fourth-seeded Atlanta Falcons. And uh, the Bucks can just hang out in the gutter. Let's talk about a couple that have gone well for us. We've talked about the Vikings and the Ravens. Those are two of the teams we were most bullish on before the season. Uh, The Vikings to win the North is currently at, what's it at now? Minus Uh,
0: The line for the Vikings is currently minus 1,200.
1: Wow. So they think that's good and done. We were fortunate enough to get that at over plus 300 to start. So a lot of those off-season episodes, I would just tell people, you know, season's over, but I would say prime time for you and I is when we get to like March and April, we can do forecasting for the NFL. So we have a ticket for Vikings to win the NFC North that looks really, really good right now. And why don't you talk about our Ravens?
0: Oh, I would love to. Our Ravens, man. Absolutely love them. I just realized I read the wrong, wrong thing. They're minus 900 for the Vikings. The Ravens are minus 1200 to make the playoffs. We were all about them and start of the season and uh, the offseason basically is saying, like, this team is going to come back down to earth as far as health. They had so many injuries last year. Unfortunately, we're kind of seeing that again with the Bateman, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, all those things. But they've been able to overcome it. Great coaching. And now their schedule it just opens up beautifully. They don't face a team that currently, as of week nine, has a winning record in their final nine games at all. They are right now uh, minus 400 to win the division. We were betting that. I think it was like plus 225, something like that. We have them to go over the win total to make the playoffs. We also have Lamar MVP. I mean, he's fourth odds right now. The the odds have moved in our favor. He's now plus a thousand, but I feel like I need him to just go absolutely nuclear to have any hope of that. And with Rashad Bateman out, I don't know, but I'm happy for the Ravens. They're winning games and they have a beautiful schedule coming up.
1: Yeah. Season long. I feel really good about our outlook and props. I feel like we've uh, in the DFS past, like we've really gone a great direction the last couple of weeks. So Overall, if you're tracking with us, you can do that in the Props channel in Discord. But let's talk about this slate context. It's the smallest slate of the year. We have six teams on bye, and then we have you know, another six teams off the main slate, and that includes some powerhouses like the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Ravens. So what's your initial thought on the player pool for this week, knowing who's not there?
0: Well, it's very weak. Extremely weak, actually. <laughs> because when you look at the teams that aren't there... I mean, on by, you have some studs like the Niners aren't there. So, of course, we don't have CMC. There's no Debo. There's no you know, Kittle. Um, there's no Dak and CD Lamb. There's no Saquon. I mean, there's so many guys. And then look at like the primetime games. Eagles are off the main slate. The Chiefs are off the main slate. The Saints and then uh, the Ravens who we were just talking about. So the player pool is just weak in general, I think. Um, especially tight end. When you look at kind of what we're used to doing as far as tournament strategy of hoping to spend up for a player that can really separate at the position. There's no Mark Andrews. There's no Kittle. There's no Kelsey Dallas Goddard. Dalton Schultz has been looking pretty good recently. Greg Dulcich is a guy who's kind of emerging the muth. I mean, I'm going to be trying to spend as little money as possible this week Kyle, on tight end because of how bad it really is.
1: Yeah. Tight end is really gross. I think running backs really tough. Like, running back, there's no Henry, there's no Kamara, no Saquon, and CMC, as you mentioned. So keep that in mind as you're building your player pools early in the week, who's not there, and that kind of gives you context of who you need to spend up for. So you mentioned Zach Ertz. Like, he he actually looks strong as the tight end one compared to all these other options this week, and we'll talk about that game a little bit more as well. But give me the games that are 50-ish, and we've kind of had a couple that have towed the line.
0: Yeah, this week there's two that are right at 50. It's Green Bay and Detroit, and then Seattle and Arizona, and then the Chargers taking on Atlanta, your Falcons, number one seed Falcons in the division, uh, 49 and a half.
1: That line is interesting because based on what happened last week, you're like, all right, Atlanta wants to, you know, they can actually move the ball at will. Uh, Chargers are coming off a bye. I, I like the game because those are my two favorite teams in the NFL, so I'm just selfishly, really involved and i hope keenan allen is back the implied totals this week though are a bit difficult for me to swallow because we have so many teams that are huge favorites and a lot of those huge favorites are on the road so how are we handling this because the team with the highest implied total is the bills at just over 30 that's this i checked it out that's the second highest implied total of any team this year they had a 30 and a half earlier this year so how are you handling that with these onslaught builds
0: yeah and historically this year again i mean it's a small sample we're only eight weeks in but still these onslaught kind of builds have actually been more favorable when there is a huge spread so looking at you know eight plus ten plus spread um you don't really need to force a bring back i mean vegas is telling us like they're taking on the jets the bills are this week they've got 17 point total it's the lowest on the slate like Yeah, I guess you could force one in there, but you probably don't have to. And Josh Allen can still get there. His guys can still get there even without the Jets pushing them. We know that. So a lot of times these onslaught builds without a bring back in these huge spreads make sense, especially for large field tournaments where you really have to hit the nuts. And I don't think we want to be forcing a bring back in these specific spots. When the spread is closer and you can really see teams going back and forth. Yeah, then it makes a lot of sense. and We want to maximize correlation. But historically this year, that has not worked out quite as much.
1: Yes, I I looked up a lot of those, you know, 10 plus point double digit favorites and man, the bringbacks just couldn't get there at all, like like at all. And I even looked at the teams that were double digit underdogs. Their passing games averaged like 150 yards. So it's like you can't really bank on anyone at all. So the Jets look like a team was it 13 right now. Garrett Wilson's going to gain a little bit of steam because of last week, and they let Zach Wilson throw it more. But I feel like that team's just a trap. If I'm not, I'm probably not playing a lot of Jets. What do you think is the most popular game to stack this week?
0: Yeah, I put here just Seattle and Arizona, and I feel like the idea around these two teams is like, you know, Seattle's really turned it around. They're playing pretty good on offense. Arizona's had two really nice games back to back on offense, but. We saw these two teams play in week six, not that long ago. And in that game, it was 19 to nine. So I'm not sure how I'm going to handle it. I think I might see what the field wants to do as far as our roster percentage report. Because if people just look at the season long stats for Seattle's defense, they're going to look pretty good. They've been one of the best defenses in the league over the last three weeks. Every team they've faced has hit the under on their team total. And it's been by an average of 10 points. So it's not like they're barely missing, like they're missing by a wide margin. And they've been really good. Number one, run defense DVOA, um, top five in total DVOA, top five in yards per play allowed. All these things. So I'm not saying the Cardinals are a bad play. I'm just saying if the field really does assume like this is the game that's going to go off, there's more outs And we saw that in week six.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm worried about the Cardinals being able to effectively move the ball. It was what 19 to nine when these two teams played a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, it was gross. I'm going to say that the Miami Chicago game. Doesn't project super well from a total standpoint, but people are going to be playing the Miami side, not just because they were, you know, killing it from pass rate over expectation, but this is an exciting team on trade deadline day. made a couple of deals. I think people are going to want this piece. I think Tyreek and Waddle are going to each be 15 plus, maybe 20% in tournaments. And so you're going to see stacks like that. I think Justin Fields might end up being one of the two or three most popular quarterbacks, so, there's just a lot of roster percentage. I'm not saying it's a bad play. I'm just trying to point out that people will be on this game and you won't be that sneaky uh despite, you know, looking at games with higher totals. So, which game do you think will be sneaky?
0: Yeah, I put Chargers in Atlanta and it's kind of like what I was talking about. Like I think the people in general would say Atlanta's not good and they can't move the ball and their offense stinks. Their top Six in scoring. They're moving the ball like crazy. Like They're involved in high-scoring games because their defense is so bad, Kyle. It is so bad. (laughs) And this is a get-right spot for the Chargers. That said, Mike Williams is out. Keenan Allen, for some reason, is not practicing coming out of the bye week, which is uh, a bit of a red flag with the hamstring. Maybe it's just management. Who knows? We'll see. But like with both those guys out, it definitely takes a little bit of the excitement out of this one. But if you get a healthy Keenan Allen against the secondary, Austin Eckler, you can play... And the Chargers want you to run the ball, and the Falcons want to run the ball. So I can see both teams really having success in terms of how they want to play. Chargers up in pass rate. Atlanta can't stop the pass. Atlanta wants to run the ball. The Chargers can't stop the run. So it actually right. sets up, I think, for a pretty good matchup for what these teams want to do.
1: No, it's a, it's a good matchup. We would love for the Chargers to play catch-up and you know, have a ton of volume. There's also paths, like you mentioned, where this game just stinks. And Atlanta can't move the ball, and they're not effective. I'm going to say Minnesota and Washington is an interesting matchup that the Vikings are coming off the bye. Kirk Cousins on the road. I think there's some pieces here that I want a part of, especially against that Washington secondary, that just lost William Jackson, just traded him to the Steelers. So I like this matchup. Taylor Heineke is a wild card, so you don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get either a competitive game or he's going to stink. So give me the volatility of that game more than anything else, and a Vikings defense that gives it up also through the air which game do you want to be underweight on and you're just saying I don't want to have anything to do with this
0: yeah I'm gonna go with the Rams and the Bucks and it's sort of scary to say because when you think about these teams there's a lot of star power you know you've got Cooper Cup you've got Matthew Stafford who this year hasn't been great but last year was great you've got Tom Brady and his guys who again this year have not been great but Mike Evans is a star Chris Godwin is a star Leonard Fournette is great for fantasy all of these things but Cooper Cup is currently dealing with an ankle injury and the Bucks, for whatever reason, can't put up points. And I'm shocked that the line is kind of where it's at, You know, not as far as the spread, but just 42 and a half points is so low that I would expect Vegas, who's obviously very sharp, they get this stuff right all the time, to say like, we know these offenses are going to regress positively sooner than later. I logged in, I expected to see it at like 45, 45 and a half, and it's all the way down at 42 and a half. It's not one of the lowest on this slate it's one of the lowest on the entire week nine slate including thursday sunday night and monday so yeah you can play some one-off pieces here but it's just tough to get excited about these two teams right now
1: i'm nervously looking through twitter right now nothing there's no there's no there's no breaking news so the five dollars is still up in the air and it's just not trending well i feel like i feel like oh
0: this is- it's gonna happen i'm where it's 317 eastern we got about 45 minutes, Kyle. What's going to happen?
1: What's going to happen right in the middle of the segment? We're trying to talk to the people. We're trying to do our jobs, but we're also trying to do our jobs by looking at the news.
0: Like, Yeah, what, exactly.
1: What's more important, looking at Twitter or talking on this podcast?
0: You want me to answer that? I don't know. You don't have to. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, I'll just say Indianapolis and New England just does not project very well. Sam Ellinger ain't it, and in uh, Foxborough just doesn't sound like a game I want to have too many pieces Jacoby Myers fine for cash it's one of those times where you kind of say like is Jonathan Taylor like if he's going to go super underweight maybe but there's just so many issues with that team they just fire their offensive coordinator as well let's take a quick break and then we'll come back in You know, people think that when we hit that button that you and I just take a break that, you know, just
0: we just go get get a stretch, get a drink.
1: Yeah. You know, like I get it. You know, athletes, they they can't go forever the entire game. They need some, you know, a couple snaps off, a couple breathers. You know, like like LeBron's not going to play the whole game. He needs, you know, a minute here. Podcasters. Podcasters need, I don't know, five second break. That's what we just got when we hit the drop and then we're right back. So it's that podcast life. You and I. Uh, we have podcast bodies. That's what we got. <laughs> no, oh, I, <laughs> I would say we don't have average podcast bodies. All right. A uh, couple more categories here before we go into salary standouts. Which team are you most confident hits the over of their team implied total?
0: If ever there was a get right spot for the Packers, it is this week against the Lions. Aaron Rodgers, in his career, is averaging a 6.9% touchdown rate against Detroit Detroit has given it up to everyone at home specifically. They have really, really struggled. Every team they've faced at home has 27 or more points. Their games average over 71 combined points when playing at home. The Packers play slow. Yes, their efficiency has not been great, but this is the spot where it gets right. They're currently at 26 and a half. I think they can go 27 points, continue that trend against the Lions, who they just fire their secondary coach, their bottom of the league in coverage grade per PFF, yards per play allowed, you name it. So, um, yeah, give me Green Bay. There's going to be some pieces here that I think we want to go to this week, especially my man Aaron Jones. I'm
1: going to go with Miami. I think that game has the potential to go over. It's 44 and a half. Got some exciting pieces. We know that they're going to throw. And I just trust right now, I trust Tyreek and Waddle. I think one of those will be in my cash game lineup. Tyreek's price we'll talk about in a second. Didn't change despite the fact that he went for 188 yards, 12 catches. Just trust that offense. And man, I I don't love that Mike McDaniel with kind of his smirk, I'm the smartest guy in the room look sometimes, like is succeeding this early. But for analytics, for a fun team that throws the ball, I'm for that. I just think he's a a little smug. Thoughts?
0: I mean, for good reason, right? This guy comes in, first-year head coach. His offense is one of the best in football. Yeah, it's just it's okay to have fun sometimes, Kyle.
1: I know. I, I see. I was pro Brandon Staley. All right, seemed like a great guy last year. It was the thing, and then he's kind of regressed a little bit. And now we have this guy coming in all swagged out, like he's too smart for his own good. And then he, he's the, the new hotness in the NFL. So just trying to bring him back to earth. He needs to be humbled. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I'm, against the Bears, we'll see.
1: How old's Mike? I think he's like 38. We're basically the same age. That's that's yeah. that's what irks me. Uh which team are you most confident hits their under?
0: You know, it's really tough to see to see Sam Ellinger go on the road and face Bill Belichick and put up 17 points. They looked awful last week with him under center. They just couldn't do much of anything. And especially considering Jonathan Taylor's ankle aggravation, they ran him out of shotgun. I don't know if you watch any of the game, Kyle, or saw some of the highlights. They ran him out of shotgun on almost every play. And it really did affect how Jonathan Taylor looks. So you combine your best playmaker is injured. You've got a quarterback making a second career start on the road in Foxborough. This is kind of like what we talked about a few weeks ago with Jared Goff and the shoe finally dropping for him, you know, against Bill Belichick. That is not a spot I want to go to. So I don't think the Colts can hit 17 points this week.
1: There was a trade bets. Oh, it's not a fantasy relevant player. Okay. So, you know, it doesn't really move the needle. Um, I looked at the games this week and the jets were the team that stood out to me the most that I just said, I can't get behind anyone else other than Garrett Wilson. I I can't find any cheap pieces. Uh, They don't really want Elijah Moore to be on this team. He might get traded (laughs) soon, but uh, I think the jets are just one of those teams in that onslaught build that I will probably not have uh, in my player polls at all. All right, let's talk about the players we like for this week. Salary standouts. It's another week, and I feel like we have the same dilemma that you faced last week at quarterback. It's pay up for one option and one option alone or punt. So, at quarterback on DraftKings, Josh Allen is 8,500 and Justin Fields is 5,300. You don't have to come to a conclusion because it's just Tuesday, but are those the two pretty clear options early in the week?
0: Yeah, to me, those look like the best, you know, of the two tiers. It's you pay up for safety and elite upside or go down for a player who we've seen have not only a floor, but also decent ceiling in the last three weeks. You know, Fields has been great. Top uh, eight as far as fantasy, weekly scoring for season-long leagues, three weeks in a row, running the football. He's very quietly second in the league in rush attempts among quarterbacks behind only Jalen Hurts, second in the league in rushing yards behind only Lamar Jackson. So I think that's going to continue. Miami, we talked about last week with Jason, like they're struggling. They lost their slot corner for the year. They were down to safety. Byron Jones still wasn't ready. Xavier Howard, their uh, starting corner, has been on the injury report literally every week with a groin issue. So it's just a matter for me of what the slate looks like come Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Do we have value that you can go up and get Josh Allen? If so, I'm playing him 10 out of 10 times. If the balance builds look more, I guess, appropriate this week, then Justin Fields, to me, is a totally fine play uh, for cash games.
1: Yeah, I think we'll have a different conversation of the theory portion of what what your lineup looks like if you have this later on in the week. It is worth noting that Justin Fields, his floor, feels safe with his rushing attempts, 95 he averaged 53 rushing yards per game. So that feels pretty safe. There's some volatility for a player that has, I look this up, Mets. the highest sack rate for any quarterback through eight starts in NFL history. That's scary. That's not great. Yeah. I mean, it's a rushing quarterback. So maybe we just don't care and we don't care in fantasy if he's going to run the ball this much. And if I like this game to hit the over, then uh, I think, but those are our two top options. Josh Allen on FanDuel More expensive because it's FanDuel, but I will be playing him there. You don't get the same uh, relative discount with Fields there. So Josh Allen, it's just, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. They have a 30 implied team total. At running back this week, we have a couple of guys in the 6K range that I'm already excited about. Um, Joe Mixon, his price is just sitting there at 6.5. They're a 7-point home favorite. He's seen the most carries inside the 10. I think that he's a safe play this week because Higgins and Boyd are priced up. Like if if normally I would just say like we always say just play T Higgins. I like mixing a lot at six point five.
0: Yeah, and it was disappointing last night, right? On Monday Night Football, I don't think anyone saw that coming. But what I can tell you, Kyle, is that Zach Taylor is going to look at that game and be like, "Well, we tried to throw it out." Um, Jamar Chase, it didn't work. So let's just go back to what we were doing in the first three weeks of the season. I'm pretty concerned about their pass rate moving forward. So I do think this is a huge Joe Mixon volume spot. And yeah, you're getting him at like in the mid six Ks. It's just a good tag for a guy who's touched the ball a ton this season.
1: Other running back values early in the week. So these are just names to add. Travis Etienne, a little bit cheaper, 6.3 against the Raiders. Talked me into him because I've been kind of slow like I think I was really in early in the offseason. Then he got steamed up to being like a third or fourth round pick in best ball. And now I'm having to come back around because I was told that James Robinson was the dude and he got traded. So uh tell me about ETN.
0: Yeah, I mean his workload's just been elite. I mean, last two weeks, eighty percent of the snaps combined, and in that time frame, eighty-eight percent of the running back carries have gone to ETN. You cannot draw up a better workload for a running back especially at this price tag and i'm with you i was a little slow to come around on him too it wasn't necessarily just because he got steamed up it was also you know i thought it would take a little while for him to really get his burst back from the liz frank surgery we did see in the first couple of weeks he really wasn't as effective he looks awesome right now and so yeah i feel like in this spot um taking on the raiders we just saw what alvin kamara did to them last week um it it makes a lot of sense and if you're gonna give him somewhere in the range of like 18 with upside of twenty five opportunities total, it's hard to pass that up at this price point.
1: There's other names that are intriguing. I mean, Austin Eckler is the RB one on this slate, so you can't go wrong with a player that's you know getting ten catches a game. Uh, Dalvin Cook is going to show up pretty well in a lot of projections. Um, he's, you know, he's still relatively expensive compared to the field, but we're waiting for more value to open up this week to be able to say, hey, here's a running back you can play in the 5K range. So any other names you want to mention at running back?
0: I mean, early in the week, it's kind of tough because I went into it really liking Swift's price tag. But then we had the stuff from Dan Campbell, who was like, well, we gave him too many carries <laughs> last week. And he had five carries. And he also confirmed Swift this is to the media. Like, you know, I'm not hundred percent and I'm working my way back. I expect to get more work going forward. All these things. It's tough to pay 6.4 for a guy who his head coach is telling us he got too much work and he only had five carries. So the matchup's awesome against Green Bay. I mean, they give it up to everyone on the ground. So he's a, a good play in theory. It's just if he's not going to get his full workload, it's tough to buy in. So right now, I think Mixon and Etienne are my two favorite plays, especially considering, like we said, the slate as a whole is generally pretty weak.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like somebody needs to like sit Dan Campbell down and tell him, dude, this is not working. You, whatever plans you have, they haven't been working for a while. You've won—I I mean, what four NFL games as a head coach with the Lions? Like this is not this is not your thing, buddy. And they need. Yeah, but shit. how are they
0: against the spread? I mean, come on.
1: That, that, Dan's pocketbook is just flowing. <laughs> he's he's got to go on. I'll mention a couple other names just to throw it out there. Kenneth Walker is still going to project well uh, against Arizona from a points per dollar perspective. He's only six point five, I think. I think it's fine. It's not great. Um, And then we mentioned some other names like Cook. uh, Ramondre's still getting a ton of passing work if you want to look that direction at 6.4. I think that's totally fine. Let's talk about wide receivers. I'm just dumbfounded that DraftKings did not change Tyreek Hill's price at 8.5. He's our top points per dollar projection early in the week. So I have him in my lineup, and I get that Waddle's a little bit cheaper. At 6.7, uh, but man, Tyreek just feels so safe right now.
0: Yeah, it's really tough to argue against. I mean, the guy's on pace for 2,000 yards. <laughs> it's tough to argue against it, which the former uh, single season or current single season record is, um, I think it's like 1947 or something like that with um, Megatron. So he's that's the level that he's on and he should be a 9K player. I don't know what they're doing, not changing his price. So yeah, I mean, if you want to play Tyree Kill, like you probably gotta play Justin Fields. Not saying that's wrong. Uh it does correlate, but it makes a lot of sense. Also throughout too, like the value in this range keeps being very strong each week. I love the low six, high five K wide receivers. Chris Godwin's role has just been so safe for cash games. He he still isn't fine in the end zone, which is gonna happen eventually, but he's seeing you know double digit targets. And I think it's three of his last four. You get uh scary Terry, Terry McLaurin, who's quietly seeing about a 25% target share since taylor heineke took over minnesota we talked about it, jason and i did entering last week over the last three weeks they were number one against the run and dv away they were 27th against the pass and we just saw what DeAndre hopkins did to them he looks awesome and then we got to monitor what's going on in la with the chargers we know there's no big mike and keenan allen is certainly currently still dealing with the hamstring issue so whatever's happening there regardless josh palmer is going to project pretty well against a falcons team that gives it up through the air he is just 5.1k
1: yeah, I think, I mean, early guess in the week, Josh Palmer in cash, I think is going to be approaching fifty percent.
0: Even if Keenan is active,
1: I think people are have kind of penciled him in as the cheap play early in the week that he's going to be chalk.
0: Did you see the Eckler quote too? He goes, he does a podcast for fantasy right. with Yahoo, and everyone was asking like, who do you, who should you pick up with the Mike Williams injury? And he like didn't skip a beat. He was like, oh, Josh Palmer. So. Yeah, it makes sense.
1: His price in the matchup, I yeah, I I think he's going to be easily one of the two or three most popular wide receivers on the week. Um regardless of if Keenan plays, I think he'll be there. I need to say that Amon-Ra is interesting this week at 6.6. I just I need the to The price
0: th- keeps coming down.
1: I know, that's that's what's more interesting to me. Um in a game that we like that's hitting the 50-point mark for us. So, I think Amon-Ra's there in the middle range. Uh, can I throw out some cheaper names some cheapies just real gross names that maybe you don't even
0: I mean I'm going to say no you shouldn't but you're going to do it anyway so go ahead
1: okay I'm going to throw out one that you didn't even know I was going to say Tyquan Thornton of the Patriots 3.3 yeah K.
0: speedster speedster
1: 3.3 if you're going to punt it's not the
0: worst thing you could do it's not the best it's not the worst either
1: okay Zay Jones at 4.1 against the Raiders It's a uh, revenge game for our boy, Zay. Thoughts?
0: Which is, I mean, that's the metric that matters the most in fantasy. So that makes sense. Go on.
1: And then I would say, I don't know, is it the most important thing we've ever said on this podcast? Maybe. But my boy, Terrace Marshall (laughs) Jr. at 3.9. I
0: cannot believe you actually put this on the doc. I logged in this morning and I saw TMJ and I was like, what the heck is he talking about? I was thinking in my head, like who could this be? And then I saw the matchup and I was like, oh my Lord, Kyle. Um, yeah. Go ahead, man. The floor is yours. I'm what Darren is Marshall. the,
1: what is the medical term for lock jaws it TMJ or TJM?
0: So TMJ temporomandibular joint going back to my PT nerdiness I know. is the joint where your jaw is. But people will say, like, I have TMJ. The TMJ is the joint. TMD is the disorder. But, yes, that's basically something's going on with your jaw.
1: So can I just call Terrace Marshall Lockjaw from now on? (laughs)
0: Oh, brother. Yes. (laughs) Lock it in. Lock that nickname in.
1: (laughs) Dude. Okay. So, and I won't go too much longer on this. He's cheap. Uh, He was up to 92% of the snaps. He's the wide receiver, too, on the Panthers, if you forgot who he was. And he's only 22 years old. So... I'm not saying you need to play this. I just want you to I just wanted to point it out that his price is interesting and against the Falcons he showed up.
0: 9 targets last week?
1: I I he's not a nobody. This isn't like we're searching... I mean he's he's a nobody. <laughs> no, dude, he's not Jamal. What are you, what are you Agnew. talking about?
0: <laughs> he's not what Jamal are you Agnew. About? <laughs> he's no... dude, he hasn't done anything. since He's been in the NFL. He barely even played last year. Dude, what if I told
1: you in a dynasty league I played him this past week?
0: You must be awful in that league.
1: <laughs> uh, call it 7-1 and one and it's a baller's league. So oh,
0: you are a sick, sick individual.
1: All right, a uh, couple other names we just want to mention. On FanDuel, Chris Godwin's only 6.7, so he's a bit underpriced for his role on a team that we know is going to rank top five in pass rate over expectation. I don't love that game, but if I had to pick one player in that Rams, you know, Buccaneers game that's not Cooper Cup, I think Chris Godwin's the easy cash game play. And then Curtis Samuel is underpriced once again. Uh, since Taylor Heineke's come aboard, he has 21 touches. They've given him nine rush attempts the last two weeks. So at 5.6 on FanDuel, that's really cheap for his role. So I just want to throw him out as an early consideration in cash if you are interested. Any other wide receivers you want to mention other than my boy Lockjaw? <laughs>
0: I'm so happy that became a thing on the show. No, those are kind of the guys that made my first cut as far as just what stuck out to me. We'll obviously have a lot more when we record for uh, Friday's show.
1: Please be a thing. Please be a thing. Not the, the nicknames, I, it's fine if the nickname, but just I'm really bad at one thing in fantasy football. It is looking at wide receivers and saying this is what they will be because it was there, man. The early breakout age, you know, the draft capital but he was on the Panthers, and now there are no rules in Carolina.
0: Hey, I see what you did there. I see what you did there.
1: All right, let's finish it tight end.
0: Yeah, I put on the list just Tyler Higby. If for some reason Cooper Cup doesn't play, it sounds like the ankle injury isn't as serious as maybe we thought it was initially. So I think Cooper Cup does play. But if for some reason he's out, Tyler Higby at 3.7 looks awesome. His usage is actually come down quite a bit so i don't have a lot of interest in him if cooper cup is active but again the tight end slate is insanely weak so i'm gonna be looking if possible to find someone even cheaper than 3.7k for cash games if i can we'll see kind of what happens with the trade deadline opportunities opening up and injuries and all that sort of stuff but I want to point him out here out his price is cheapest that it's been in the last month
1: i mentioned Zach Ertz at 5.1 in that same game i'll just say no offense interesting at 2.9 from maybe more of a tournament perspective, but he's cheap. And then I want to throw out another name that is one of the most boring names to throw out in DFS because he's been a punt play that you can use the last couple of weeks. And if Darren Waller is still out, you can raise the white flag and go to the island of Dr. Moreau, Foster Moreau, at 3.2. Not exciting. He hasn't done anything this year, but if you get six points from a punt tight end on this slate, who cares? It doesn't really matter at all. So I, I mean, right now there's not an early favorite. I, I can just see tight end, you know, roster percentages spread out and it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah. I, play, I played Moro last week, actually, because of the, the Waller hamstring issue and actually in his games where he started, um, uh, seeing a 21% target share, you'll take that for his price. And kind of quietly, like Darren Waller's target share has been about 16%. So I don't know why, but they're using Foster Moreau more than Darren Waller. doesn't make a lot of sense, but yes, if they're going to keep doing that and his price will stay where it is, um, he's going to be in play as a punt option if Darren Waller misses.
1: Do the Raiders make any sense this year of what they, we thought they were going to do, what we've seen recently from Devontae Adams, what we saw from Josh Jacobs that we couldn't really project, and then we don't know where Darren Waller is. They're a weird team. like I,
0: They're wild, man. They're absolutely wild.
1: All right, at defense, I mean, Seattle looks good. It's a game that has a high total, but Seattle is probably the top play.
0: I think so, based off how good they've been. We talked about it a little bit already, but yeah, they've just been standout. One of the best defenses in the league over the last three weeks. We just saw what they did to Arizona a few weeks ago. Now, granted, that was without DeAndre Hopkins. That was the the game where Hollywood Brown got injured. Um, But still, the Cardinals are dealing with offensive line injuries. Seattle's been able to get after the quarterback. They have the most sacks in the league over the last three weeks. So at 2.5, I think they're going to be very popular for um, roster percentage. So in cash, I love them. They'd be a fade though, if they're going to be popular in GPPs.
1: Yeah. There's more expensive options that I think have a lot of upside. So the Patriots at home against your boy, Sam E. I think the Dolphins are not a good defense, but they have a lot of upside against Justin Fields, who gets... Sacked like it's his job, and it is his job, but he just chooses to do it by getting <laughs> sacked. Uh, I I think you could talk me into the Panthers on the road against the Bengals, like I, they're way down there at twenty three hundred. So save your money, people. Like spend it elsewhere. Don't don't spend it at defense. Don't get cute. Just I bet the Seahawks will end up being one of those teams, and even the Bears. Like I don't I don't even care. Play the Bears. Just get three or four points. Get out of there. Who cares, as they say. If you want to play with us, you can go to ballersdfs.com, our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg, plus bets. I'm back this week, so we're going to be firing up some new contests, including I have a special one, very special one for this next Monday night, bets that I haven't even told you about, but I'm telling the people oh, right now.
0: Insider knowledge.
1: Yeah, you are getting right now, as you're listening, the same information that bets is getting because the look I'm getting is cool, Kyle. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, But go to ballersdfs.com. We will open up some fun contests for week nine to keep it fresh. You know, the relationship, you got to rekindle that fire. And I feel like with the people, we need to keep it fresh.
0: (laughs) You got to, man. You got to keep coming back for more. That's what it's all about.
1: All right. That's going to do it for this episode. We will be back on Friday. Betts, sign us off.
0: Man, what a show. Anytime we get to hype up. Terrace Marshall, Jr., a.k.a. Lockjaw. It is a fantastic show. You know it's going to be a good week. Kyle's back. we got contests coming out. We've got the Discord popping. DFS Pass is cheap. Go get it. We will see you in Discord, and we will see you on Friday. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.